Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying Jeremiah 3c, that's the Navi Yirmiyahu, the third chapter, uh, the third and final portion of this chapter, and we're going to start with verse 19 and finish until the end. The um, God had just spoken in, in 3b, we just talked about how in the future all nations will come gather in Jerusalem, everyone will come back come together to, to worship God, um, referring to the entire world, all the nations of the world. Um, now God again focuses back on his, in his, on his people, on the people of Israel, the people of Judah, and, um, and the central part that they're going to play in helping bring the whole world back to Zion and Jerusalem in the future. But God starts to reminisce a little bit, but let's hear the words of God according to the prophet Yermio as he heard him speak. So verse 19, Bayamim ha-hema, In those days, those days that we were just talking about, and it's talking about those days in the future, the, the, what's going to happen one day out there in the future when the redemption finally occurs. Bayamim ha-hema, what will be? Yelchu beit Yehuda al beit Yisrael. The house of Yehuda will unite will reunite. They will go to the house of Israel. Remember, at this time, the house of Israel had already been destroyed. There was no more kingdom. The people had been largely exiled throughout the uh, dominion of the Assyrian kingdom, which was a time dominant in the, in the world. Uh, there were remnants, though, of the northern peoples that were still in the area. And, near, and um, although there was a historic enmity between those two groups, Rimeo is here saying that um, that the people of Yehuda and the people of Israel, and meaning the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, will unite, they will reunite, they will get back together. This is going to be a central theme we're going to find throughout Yirmiyahu often, and we've already seen several times, how his focus on reuniting the people and bringing the lost people from the northern kingdom back. Um, they will get together and they will come together, Mayerd's Tafon from a northern land, this is hinting at the fact that one day both peoples may be uh, or, or could be uh, exiled to the northern lands, meaning the lands controlled by Assyria from the north, Al uh, Haaretz, and they will all come back to the land that that I am going to give to their forefathers. This is crucial because before we find this vision of the world getting together, before we find the vision of the Jewish people fulfilling their ultimate destiny, which is to reunite the entire world, they need to get themselves together first. There has to be unity at home first. And this is what Yermio is teaching us here. We need to bring them back. We need to look at our own unity first. Then we can come back to Zion and bring unity to the entire world. Now God starts to reminisce. After he says what's going to happen then in the future, he looks to the future, and now he looks back in verse 20. V'yonochi and I, this is God speaking, Omarti, I said, Eich, what, what, what was it that I said when I brought you to Israel in the first place? I said as follows, Eich ashiseich babonim, how shall I place these people among my children? I just took these people out of Egypt. I just gave them the Torah. What should I do with them? Where should I put them? It's amazing how... This is, we're trying to, so to speak, obviously this, you know, in, in a metaphorical way, looking into the mind of God, so to speak. How did he think through this issue? How do I place them among my children? 
Now, who are my children? According to the Mitsudot and the Malbim and other commentaries, this means all of my children, the whole world. How do I place them in humanity? What place do I place the Jewish people in humanity? This is so important to fundamental understanding of how the prophets viewed and understood the place of the Jewish people. What does it mean that they're a chosen people? So I thought this to my God, and God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them a desirable land, an inheritance that is desired so much by every of all of those nations. All of the myriads of nations all desire this land. They want this land. It's a place that's desirable, a place that people, unfortunately, are going to be have fought over for millennia and will fight over, unfortunately, looking from Jeremiah's perspective, for several more millennia. And now we look in the past and see that, that having happened. But I'm going to place them there in this land. Omar and I said, if I put them in the place that everyone wants, then they're going to, of course, be thankful to me and they're going to call me my father. They're, they're going to look to me and say my father and they're going to build this beautiful relationship with me. That's what I'm going to gain by placing them in this land. And they will not turn away from me. I'm going to give them the beautiful land that everyone wants so that they will be loyal to me. And once I create this loyalty, then they will fulfill my mission and teach the world. However, what, what really happened when I did this? This is now up to verse 21. Bogda Isha The woman rebelled against her, her, her lover. The people, instead of creating this bond of love between us, they rebelled. Cain Bagad Tembi This is how the, the house of Israel, the entire house of Israel, has, has rebelled against me. So says God. And what do I hear now? Now that this rebellion has happened, let's look at verse 22. There's this sound on all the high places that is heard. All the high places, the tops of the hills, we hear sound, we hear noise of what? We hear the crying and the supplications of the people of Israel. Because they've instead of instead of them achieving that beautiful relationship, they turned away. They ruined their ways. They forgot They forgot about God, the Lord, their God. So now we hear crying. What kind of crying do we hear? We hear crying of lament, crying of um, of 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 uh, of of regret and crying of suffering that resulted from their turning this way. This is what we hear. Instead of having this beautiful, wonderful vision accomplished that God wanted, instead we have the people, the very people that were supposed to accomplish that, are now in despair. What can be done with this despair? God then tells us this despair can be turned into something positive. If you take this despair and you take this, this, um, the sadness and the weeping and you use it, to mend yourself. My rebellious sons, God begs them, please turn around, come back. Come back to me. Turn around. If you do that, then I will heal you from your rebelliousness. I will take you back. And state. What should you state? You should state to me, 
here we are. We have come back to you, God, because we recognize that you are the Lord, our God. The, um, the, uh, uh, you know, and th- this, is, this is what God is saying. God is begging us, come back. In other words, this doesn't have to happen. This exile, this suffering, this torture does not have to happen. Just come back to me. When we look, continue at Achain, um, however, in verse 24 now, the Haboshet, Achla, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse. In verse 24, Achain Lasheker Migvaot Hamon Harim. However, the, the, um, the, the, what you are looking for on all of those hilltops, you were looking for falseness. What you found there when you were looking at all of the idols of the world, all of the other nations, you're looking to everywhere for strength that was all full of falseness. It is only, and this is the prophet now speaking, it is only in the Lord our God that the salvation of Israel can come. You can't go looking everywhere else. You need to look towards God. However, what happened was, verse 25, vihaboshet, and the embarrassment, and I'm going to speak a little bit more about this word in a moment, the embarrassment, achla, ate up, et yegia avoseinu minu oreinu, it ate up all of the effort that our forefathers put in from the early days, of, from the youth of our nation. Everything, all the effort they put into building a nation that would be this nation of God, it got eaten up by this embarrassment. And again, I'm going to translate that in a minute. All of the effort at Tsunam, at Bikaram, all of their sheep, all of their cattle, all of their wealth, everything that they built at Benehem, the families that they built, their sons, their daughters, it was all eaten up by this boshet, by this embarrassment. So the, most of the commentaries understand this embarrassment to refer to idol worship and worshiping uh, other gods and seeking other places for support other than God. And uh, there's various support for this from around, from around the Tanakh where this word boshet is used. I wanted to suggest something else. When we, boshet literally means embarrassment or shame. Why is it that we look away to other places? Because we're not proud of what we have that's special. What the people, the Jewish people have, what the people of Israel and people of Judah had at this time that was unique and special was this relationship with the one God. In other words, not so much the relationship, but the knowledge, the understanding of what of the morality that God had to offer this world. That belief in the God that wanted the world to be a better place. The message that they had to bring to the entire world. This is, and they should have been looking to that for strength. But instead, because they were embarrassed about what they had, and they didn't appreciate it and weren't proud of the specialness of what they had, they therefore looked everywhere else, and they worshipped every other God and practiced every other practice rather than their own. This is the boshet that ate them up from inside. Shame and, and embarrassment eats you up. What rather a person, a person individually and people as a nation should look to what they have that's strong. What can they be proud of? Then they don't have shame. Then they can be proud. And then they can accomplish everything that God has given them, every ability given them to, to, to accomplish in this world. So use this shame productively. Don't use it, I mean, sorry, don't, don't be, use your pride productively, not in an arrogant way, but also shame, in addition to arrogance, can also eat up 
everything you have to stand for. And what is it that we should do? God says, what should you do with this shame? Let us lie down in our shame. In other words, let us recognize it. Let us lie down with humility in our shame and realize, and may our disgrace cover us over. In other words, may us absorb the fact that we've acted disgracefully until now. And then, then we will realize that our sins were to the Lord our God. Both us and our forefathers. From our early days, from the days of, of, of early days of us as a nation, all the way till today. And, and instead, we followed everything else and we did not listen to the sound of the Lord our God. And had we done so, and even now, we should do so. We should turn towards God, come back to Him, and then find that God is standing there waiting for us to come back. Thank you so much for studying Jeremiah chapter 3. Well, this concludes this chapter. And our next installment, we will begin with Jeremiah Yermiyahu chapter 4.